I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and you're listening to Fifth in Mission. For decades, it seemed like there was very little hope in sight for California's housing woes. Prices kept going up, and it never seemed like construction was happening quickly enough to meet the demand. But a strange benefit of the coronavirus pandemic has been a significant decrease in rental prices and, according to new numbers out this week, drops in home sale prices as well. So will this keep up? How can renters take advantage of these prices? The man with those answers is joining me today, J.K. Deneen, who covers housing for us. J.K., welcome to the podcast. So maybe Thanks you for can having me, Audrey. <laughs> tell us, uh, what's, what's the rental situation like right now in San Francisco? Well, the big, um, the big news earlier this month was that rents were down um, nearly 10% in the city year over year. Um, that number was, was pretty shocking. Um, uh, typically the, those numbers don't really move more than, uh, you know, one, maybe 2%. Um, and so, uh, and they're usually going the other direction up, (laughs) right. For the last, uh, for the last decade, they, they've been, they've been going, uh, been going up. Um, yeah, as, as anybody knows, who's tried to find housing around here. And you also mentioned to me be- before we started recording this that um, you you found some new numbers about people actually breaking their leases right now. So so what's the situation with that? Yeah, there's been a couple of surprises. I mean, I think that um, so a lot of landlords thought that many 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 renters would would stop paying rent um, it, once the shelter in place order started um, and most municipalities in you know, the state of California banned evictions. Um, there's nearly 5 million people out of work. People are allowed not to pay rent um, if they've lost income from coronavirus. Um, and so that the surprising thing is that most people have actually continued to pay rent. Something like 97% of, of San Francisco renters paid their rent in June, which was consistent with the months before. But what was surprising was um, that many people are breaking their leases and leaving town. Um, uh, the San Francisco Apartment Association just gave me some numbers um, within the last hour or so uh, indicating that um, 7.5% of San Francisco renters uh, have broken their lease since the beginning of um, the coronavirus uh, pandemic, and that is uh, roughly one in thirteen renters. Um, that's a lot of a lot. That's a lot of people, and potentially we could see thousands of of empty apartments, um, which uh, should have a, a you know fairly dramatic impact on on rents once this all shakes out. That's just, I mean, that's amazing. 7.5% of leases being broken. It, it kind of sounds like, and, and maybe I'm, tell me if I'm putting words in your mouth, but it sounds like you're saying instead of people um, taking advantage of these government policies that say you can forego your rent for this period of time, um, it, instead of them taking advantage of that, they're just leaving town if they've lost their job at a bar or a restaurant or something like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that. You know, then you have students. I mean, San Francisco has roughly, I think, 80,000 um, students of higher education, lost, uh, you know, various law schools and, and, and colleges and, you know, Cal- 
Berkeley has, um, six, I think, 40,000 undergrad and 20,000 graduate students. And these people, these students are, are, are you know, they, they left town, they went home. Um, and so that, that represents a big chunk of leases right there. Um, you know, you may have some people that are looking around and seeing, I mean, I think that really, um, the, the brand new buildings, the, the kind of high end apartment buildings that have popped up all over the Bay area are the ones that are, are most directly impacted, um, by all these trends. If you're trying to fill an apartment building right now, you're going to have a real hard time doing it. Um, and so you're seeing um, massive incentives um, that landlords are having to um, uh, to implement in order to get uh, tenants in. Um, the There's a, a company called the Emerald Fund that owns um, a bunch of buildings down around Civic Center in San Francisco. They're offering 12 free weeks. Um, and these are fancy buildings. There's like a basketball court and climbing wall and Olympic sized swimming pool and um, you know, just a huge uh, uh, incentives, 12 free weeks, 10 free weeks. Um, before coronavirus, you might have had uh, landlords offering two, sometimes four uh, free weeks for, for select units. Um, and so, for example, in Oakland, where you have uh, eight to 10,000 new units that are um, coming online in the next year or so, uh, there's going to be really intense competition for the few tenants that are going to be out there uh, looking looking for, for a place to live. So when you speak to the rental associations about these incentives and this incredible drop-off in the number of, uh, of people renting apartments, do they think that this is something that's going to be immediately rectified as soon as the cities open back up again, or is this going to have a longer lasting impact in, in our urban areas? I think that the, they generally feel this is going to have a longer lasting impact. Um, one thing that um, needs to be taken into consideration is that most of the mixed use apartment buildings in San Francisco have retail on the ground floor. And if the rate of payment for the actual residential units is fairly high, it's just, um, I think it's something like 60% of commercial tenants are not paying rent. And so there's really, um, if you're, uh, if, you, if, if you've already got, um, if you've got, you know, three or four, maybe restaurant cafe type spaces, um, on your in the ground floor of your building, and, and you're suddenly not seeing any rent um, from that. That that's that's a huge burden. Um, and then on top of that, you have uh, a bunch of people breaking leases and leaving, and you're going to have a hard time renting those units until things um, kind of go back to normal. Um, so I, I think yeah, many of these landlords uh, and people don't typically feel sorry for landlords. Um, and and I understand that, um, but many of them will uh, have a hard time uh, paying their mortgages and their bills, um, especially the small ones, you know, who sort of operate as mom and pop businesses. Yeah, I, and you know, especially if people don't pay the back rent too that they've been dealing with, um, or that they've not been charging. I I think that would be. I mean, I know, you know, we recently sold our house and we we were thinking of renting it to somebody, and it just seemed like this would be a really bad time 
to get into the business of renting um, a place to people because there's so much uncertainty for, for a very small landlord that doesn't have scale to maybe provide some cushion. So where where are these people going? We 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 know that the coronavirus has scattered people all around the country. Maybe a lot of them have gone back to live with their families. Is there a very good idea of like where are these people living when they break their leases? I don't think that that uh that there really is a good sense of that yet. I mean, certainly like the search engines say that um a lot of people in San Francisco are, are looking for, for housing in, in Salt Lake City and Boise and Arizona and, and New Mexico and Austin, Texas and Portland, Oregon. So th- there's a lot of interest. Um, and, and, you, and realtors in some of those cities do say that they are seeing a lot of, of Californians and particularly people from the Bay Area. But they were already seeing them um, before, before this started. So I, I think it's going to take uh, probably another six months to a year to really figure out how this all shakes out and w- and where people end up and whether a lot of people leave temporarily. Um, uh, you know, maybe they maybe if, if you're a 25 year old and 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 you're an entrepreneur and you know in the tech industry and you're you've been in San Francisco for a couple of years and you go home to shelter in place with you know wherever you're you're from. Um, maybe you'll come back and maybe you won't. So I mean, I think that that a lot of people just don't know what's going to be next for them. I want to take a break, but when we come back, I want to ask you specifically about a story you wrote in February about luxury condo prices going as high as they can go. I want to know what's happened to those. We'll be right back after this. JK, when before we went to break, um, I, I warned you, I, I, I was looking up the stories you've written about housing prices overall, and I found this story from February of this year, which seems like eons ago. And the headline yeah. of it was, Ultra Luxury SF Condo Projects Could Test Just How High Home Prices Can Go. Quote, they have a lot of money to spend. Is is there a difference between the the luxury apartment buildings and the luxury condo, um, luxury home sales, and like you know more of the 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 housing for us regular people? Yeah, I think um, uh, yeah, I, I think that the 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 market for for that luxury housing uh, is going to be very thin. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think that um, that. Uh, a lot of, I mean, the question is, will people with money still want to have a place in San Francisco? I mean, the, I think that, I mean, many, many, you know, the stock market is, has been rallying and, and many wealthy people have gotten even wealthier during this whole pandemic. And so there's, I don't think that these are people that are paying cash, um, you know, who, who have already made their money. Um, I'm talking about buildings like the Four Seasons Residences, um, like One Stewart Lane. Um, you know, people that already have three or four homes. Um, I guess the three question is, three or four is, homes. You know, there are people sure, with three or yeah. four homes. My goodness, <laughs> yeah, I do not know with, these people. You know, yeah, um, <laughs> so they have enough money you know, to buy another one. <laughs> they do, but like the question is, will they want to? I mean, you know, if there's no opera or symphony or giants aren't playing or um you know the their you know maybe they had an office and their 
venture capital company had it in, had an office in the top of you know one California street or um or the Salesforce Tower or you know the do they will they want to come back do they need to be in San Francisco um is it is it still something that they consider a good investment um so they might just park their money somewhere else um and decide that 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 it's not as attractive as it was um t- to be here right well, we also have a story that's going online, I think, as we speak, that our colleague Kathleen Pinder has written about Bay Area home sales in May. Um, you couldn't show your home for some parts of May because of concerns over the coronavirus unless it was vacated. And partially because of that, home sales dropped 51% in the Bay Area and prices dropped 2.5% year over year. So this is something that we're not just seeing in the rental market or the condo market, just homes overall in the Bay Area um, are not moving like they like they used to. Yeah, I mean, people are just waiting to see what happens, I think. I have heard um, colloquially, though, I mean, like a- anecdotally, uh, that there are still a lot of home, uh, demand for homes in areas like Mill Valley. People don't want to be stuck in the city anymore. Have you heard that too? Absolutely. I mean, I'm actually working on a story about ADUs, like back, you know, backyard cottages. Um, we're seeing a huge explosion of people that suddenly they they want to get they want to pull their mom out of the nursing home. Their kids come home from college. They need more space. They need a backyard. They want to be in a, you know, maybe they're, they still, you know, they're from the Bay Area. They need to stay in the Bay Area, but they just need, they need sheltering in place has made everybody spend a lot more time at home and, and, and appreciate what's good about the place to live, but also what's lacking. And so if people are, you know, have the means and, the, and to, to, to upgrade, um, you know, maybe they do want a place with a bigger backyard or, or a backyard, um, uh, maybe they want a place that that has enough room to build, a, you know, a little cottage where where their mom or or one of their kids that's that was at college and is no longer at college could could stay in. Um, so I think we're we're seeing a lot of that, um, especially in the South Bay. I mean, in the city, not too many people have yards big enough to to build, you know, like a a three hundred square foot ADU. But in in San Jose, which has been very aggressively permitting. Um, those structures, they actually, you can get a, a permit to build an ADU and in, in they, they, they promise one hour, um, in San Jose. I uh, can't do anything in count- one hour. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> over the counter. <laughs> yeah. Um, as long as it's like a model that's been pre-approved and the city's working with certain ADU developers that, you know, so they've already come in the engineering, everything is, 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 um, is standardized, pre-approved, and so they're just they're plopping these things all over the place. <laughs> well, you know that's that's one example of housing that we're actually able to build somewhat quickly. But we've had a lot of conversations in this city about the need to ramp up our production overall of housing to get the prices down. Um, given that for a little while some of that housing construction was stopped. Uh, and given that, you know, some of the landlords are going to be losing a lot of money, do you think that this is going to hurt our efforts to build more housing? Yeah, I think that um, 
uh, there'll be very few market rate um, housing developments built in the next two years. Certainly very few started. Um, uh, I don't think anybody's going to break ground on a market rate condo or uh, apartment complex um, in the next year in in the Bay Area. Um, it's just too risky. Um, people, you you need to know where rents are going to end up. Um, and we really don't. Um, I mean, our rent's going to fall 10, you know, another 10% or 20% or 30%. Um, will construction costs fall as well? Will land costs fall? We really have no idea. I mean, you, you can't get financing to build a, a you know, 100 unit project um, without knowing answers to all those questions, or at least having a pretty good idea. On the affordable housing side, though, I do think there'll be an opportunity to um, to build some some subsidized housing um, uh, because you know those those projects um, rely on on state and local public money as well as like tax credit financing um, and affordable housing bonds and so that those projects can can go forward. Um, even in you know uh, uh, an awful recession, um, the problem is that uh, the some of the financing for those projects do, do does come from market rate fees uh, that developers pay um, in San Francisco and and in Oakland as well. And so, if people aren't building market rate housing, those cities are getting less money to help build affordable housing. So that will. It, that kind of cuts both ways as far as the affordable stuff. It reminds me a little bit of when we were in the Great Recession and construction stopped in San Francisco for, for so long. And then all of a sudden it seemed like everybody was trying to, there were there were cranes everywhere in the city. And it, it became very clear to me that we missed an opportunity to get ahead of this housing problem. So are there other solutions that we should be learning from the the recession that we were in it seems like not really that long ago in order to make sure that when the pandemic is over and hopefully the economy comes roaring back in San Francisco that we're ready to face it head on and that's the conversation that everybody's having right now um it, a lot of people do feel like you said that the it, there was a real missed opportunity in the great recession and um the problem is that developers tend to be like lemmings, you know, they, they all, once one project works and every, everybody dives in at the same time. Um, and, uh, and so they're, they're not real risk takers. Um, and so, I mean, I, my fear is that the exact same thing is going to happen that happened last time, um, where, you know, when, when it's easiest to build, we don't build. Um, when construction costs are, are cheaper, nothing is going up. And uh, when land, the value of land is, is you know, goes down a lot, um, uh, still um, developers are tentative and, um, you know, the, the, the banks are, are not willing to, you know, to go out there and, and lend unless, um, unless a developer puts it. I mean, the problem is that the typically developers put, five to 10% of their own money in. And so they are, um, they rely on, on lenders, um, and, and 
partners to 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 really fund the projects um and so those those uh yeah i think that i think that probably will history will repeat itself and we'll have uh, several years of low production uh, and then everybody will be complaining um in another five years about the, <laughs> that's what we do <laughs> that's what we do, <laughs> what we do. <laughs> history repeats itself but there's nothing else that we know well maybe it, that's a that's a down note let's not end on that the good news is there are a lot of incentives for people who are looking for new rental units and there are a lot of opportunities probably to negotiate with your landlord and get a little bit better deal so at least that's uh, a, maybe a silver lining to this storm cloud yeah, I talked to a woman in Oakland um, who does like corporate sponsorships and she lives in Jack London Square and her rent was 2600 bucks, and she lost like half of her income because she gets paid commissions um, due to COVID and she went to her landlord and she said, hey, uh, can you knock 500 bucks off my rent? And they came back and said, well, we can knock $67 off your rent. And she said, uh, that's not really going to do much for me. And then she went online and she saw that this same landlord in the same building was offering eight free weeks plus a thousand dollar signing bonus and something else. Um, and so she went back to her landlord and she said, well, you're giving this, you know, I've never missed a rent payment. I pay my rent on time. I'm a good tenant. I've never complained about anything. And you're giving people off the street these amazing deals. You know, what about me? And she was able to actually um, negotiate uh, the same deal that that the newcomers were getting. Um, and so she was pretty happy. Yeah, that's a great that. Now, that is an uplifting way to end this podcast. J.K. Dean, thank you <laughs> exactly. for being with me. Uh, all right, Audrey. I'd like to thank J.K. Deneen for being on the podcast today. Thank you to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Admission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.